welcome to episode 57 of In The Saddle Podcast. This week's Bearing Preview will be covering all the top racing action this weekend in the UK. Saturday's focus will be on Warwick and market raising. The team had two winning naps last weekend with Secret Reprieve and Boreham Bill at huge odds of 66 to 1. Katie Clements will be hosting this week's episode with Chris Loder, Paul Callahan, and Mark Horosky in the punditry panel. The floor is yours, Katie Clements. Thank you very much, Mark. How are you doing? I'm well. Um, had a good weekend uh, financially. Um, I was in front on the naps table for about five minutes and then uh, I was sitting pretty. Uh, I thought Chris Loder's selection on the blind side was unlucky as well at 14 to 1. Um, so dodged that bullet. Um, and then obviously the Howitzer came along just after in the Lanzarote with Boren Bill. Um, so had a 5 to 1 winning nap week one. And I'm 61 points behind in the naps table. So you just couldn't make it up, could you? <laughs> and Paul Callahan, uh, still on cloud nine from that? Still feeling smug? Yeah, I, smug, I'm not so sure, but absolutely delighted, yeah. Um, couldn't believe the horse was that price. I actually thought there was one of you. When I saw it one in the morning, I thought there was something there was something wrong. Obviously, I thought this lad would be running on three legs or there'd be a sniper waiting for him in the stand or something. But... Uh, uh, yeah, I just couldn't believe he, he was such a price. Um, won well, given a, a cracking ride by by Ben Jones. And um, yeah, it was great to see it. And of course, Adagio was a, a good winner also, napped by by Mark. So yeah, it was, a, it was a good weekend on the whole for the podcast. And I'm delighted. Thanks for the for all the, the pleasant messages and what have you. Much appreciated. And Chris Lider, unlucky last week. How are you feeling? Yeah, I've got it all to do, haven't I, uh, this week? I've got more form in uh, Hong Kong, um, but I should be a, a UK and Irish specialist. But uh, I had a 12 to 1 winner on my YouTube channel on, on Monday, so maybe I'm coming back to a little bit of form. But yeah, I've got some way to go to match these, uh, these judges. Well, let's get started then and see what everyone has got for the weekend ahead. So we'll start in Warwick. Um, we've got the 150, the 3-mile McCoy Contractors Hampton Novices Chase, Grade 2. Shall we start with Mark? Who are you going for? I quite like happy-go-lucky. Um, obviously, Kim Bailey won the race last year. Um, I don't think this is that competitive. Um, I just think that one well last time out over one mile free at Cheltenham, Staying on strongly to to beat the mighty Don hold the note three and a three quarter lengths should relish the conditions and trip was raid one three seven um over hurdles so it's not just a plodder over fences uh, I just think he's a huge player and also David Bass is booked already um of one four seven here um one thing I'd like to say as well just from a bang point of view fiddle on the roof I mean I, I really I really hope this this horse runs in this race I, I really want to lay him on bit for just not for me. Um, obviously, Robbie Pearl will be riding. I'm not convinced with the stable. Uh, very difficult to read. I just think this horse was beaten so far out uh, last time out. Means I just think there's something wrong uh, with the yard. And I'm hoping that he, he does run. and goes up a short price favourite. He could even be a place lay um, and see how the, the field develops. But he's definitely one that I'd want to take on But in, in the lay department. But for win purposes, I'm pretty sweet on happy-go-lucky. Um, anything above five to one would be quite a good each way each way selection for me i feel like a lot of people are thinking the same about the tis yard at the moment and it's so difficult to read when you think they're not going to have a winner they do and when you think they are they don't um so i'd probably agree with you on that one and 
believe Paul Callahan, you're siding with Mark on this as well. I am. Um, I think it could be a little bit more trickier. Like Next Generation is already a Grade Two winner over fences. That was on chasing debut at Newbury back on the 28th of November. And Newbury fences would, would take a bit of jumping. Then you have Dickie Diver, who's also of interest, second on chasing debut at Newbury behind the Fergal O'Brien train's Painted Dream. That was back on December the 29th. He was fairly keen throughout that race, which he was entitled to be. It was his first start since the middle of March of last year. This is just his fifth start under rules, sixth in total. He does have one victory between the flags also. But, you know, there's obviously more to come, but he's clearly quite fragile to, to train. And I am going to side with Kim Bailey train, happy-go-lucky. He's two from three over fences so far, which include a victory at Cheltenham on his last start. On paper, he'll probably have a bit more to, to he'll need to find a bit more with Next Generation. But he's had a good few runs over fences, and the other two runs came at Fakenham and Stratford, which would be quite sharp, trappy little tracks. So he's, he's obviously touch wood, he's, he's obviously a sharp enough operator over his fences. And I'd imagine David Bassel will be looking to, to put that experience to good use and, and force errors from the opposition. So for that reason, I'm going to go with happy-go-lucky. Yeah, I think you've made a fair point there for him. Um, again, with what Mark said. But we do have an outsider option from Chris Loder. Yeah, I like Kiltili Briggs um, here for... Adrian Heskin and Jamie Snowden in the colours of the McNeil family. I know Katie's very fond of these silks. Uh, but Katie Briggs, I, I think he doesn't deserve to be the price he is here. And I've seen a bit of 16 to 1 out there. And I do think this field is going to cut up. So at the time we're recording, uh, you can get on anti-post. So you'll be able to get three places for each way betting. And I think he's a cracking each way bet. I thought his run at Ascot last time was really encouraging, actually. Um, over two and a half miles in the grade two uh, Noel Novices chase behind Allard. I know the Henderson team think the world of him and they really do think he could uh, give uh, Envoy Allen something to, to worry about uh, in the marsh. Um, at the festival, they both clash in that race. And even though Fiddler on the Roof was second in that race, I thought Kiltili Briggs would appreciate the step up and trip. That, like I said, was over two and a half miles. And he uh, he made the run in for the majority of the race that day, but just got outpaced. But if you watch the closing stages, he rallied and uh, hit the line hard again. So uh, I do think that the step up and trip will, will definitely um, suit him. He's also as well from the family of uh, Ballard Briggs, uh, who was a Grand National winner. So you'd like to think that stamina is his forte. There's going to be plenty of rain around. He's won on heavy ground before. So, uh, so that shouldn't be an issue. Only nine pounds to find with next destination on official ratings, but we get five pounds in a receipt of weight of him, and also as well three pounds from Happy Go Lucky. So that's also as well to our advantage. I just thought he was a big price in the field, and with Heskin booked, it's quite likely you would think that they'll take their chance here. And uh, yeah, I thought he was quite a big price, and I, I think he could maybe uh, pull a few surprises. Yeah, I mean, I've got a bias because I love a McNeil horse, but he is smart. I think he'll go the distance. And Adrian knows the McNeil horses so well now. Um, I mean, I never wanted jockey bash, but it would part run really well for him at the at the weekend. Was it the weekend or was it yesterday? Yesterday, on Monday, um, when he really didn't settle for Aidan Coleman last time out so it'll be interesting to see how 
having Adrian back on board the horses will go for them. So that's Kiltili Briggs for Chris Loder, currently best price available at 16 to 1. And we have Happy Go Lucky for Paul and Mark at 3 to 1 best price available at the time of recording. So next race, we have got the 2.25 at Warwick on Saturday, the two-mile five furlong Ballymore Lemington Novices Hurdle, another grade two race. Shall we go in reverse order? We'll start with you again, Chris. Yeah, um, I thought this, again, was quite a tricky race to pin down and not not too many at the front of the market were capturing my imagination. So I've gone with another outsider, uh, keeping with the David Bass theme though for, uh, for uh, here. Um, and I thought Optimize Prime was quite a big price. Um, he's riding for Ben Paul in this combination actually won this race uh, with a favourite horse of mine called Willoughby Court um, a couple of years ago who went on to win what is now the, the Ballymore at the festival uh, in a similar kind of fashion really that uh he was a, a prolific front runner and this optimized prize and what we've seen on him so far uh has done really well from the front you know um it's bred to get further so you like to think that he's not going to get tired at the end and i was really impressed when he won a big price on debut at hereford he backed it up uh, under the penalty that day won really well i think if he goes out uh, from the front early on i think he might be able to stay there you know um and ben paul in source has been coming into a little bit of form they had a couple of winners yesterday and uh in a race where i don't think it's a particularly strong one we might see some nice horses come out of it but uh, the ones at the the top of the market weren't really floating my boat so i decided to go with a bit of a price um with uh, optimized prime who i think will run well Callahan, are you going with? I I don't like going for favourites, but I think it's hard to get away from the Tom Lacey trained Adramel, who currently Richard Johnson already jocked up. Adramel is two from two over hurdles. In fact, the only time he suffered defeat in his short career was in a champion bumper at the festival last March. He's stepping up and trip, but he's bred to stay, and he showed no signs of stopping when he won at on heavy ground at Haydock at the beginning of September. And I think he's he's obviously. It could be potentially quite smart, so it's Adjamel for me. Short and sweet and to the point. I like it. How, how are you feeling about this race? It looks quite trappy. Um, but I, I quite like David Pipes, Make Me a Believer. Um, I think one went quite well last time at Cheltenham. Um, won't have any, any issue with the conditions. I think it'll actually relish the step up and trip. Stable's absolutely flying. Um, if you look back to the second behind Bear Gills, um, at Lingfield on the 22nd of October. Um, the horse is obviously in fact winner at Exeter on Sunday. It's actually four out of four. And I just think the six to one currently available for me, I believe, I think that's massive. I think it's got the same similar type of profile to Adagio. Um, I just saw it's still improve at the right time of year. Um, definitely think that one will go shorter in the day, maybe around 11 at four, three to one. I just think it's got a massive each way chance make me a believer. Um inclined to side with you for this one mark um that form behind bear grills i'm not sure how to how to do that one <laughs> it'll probably go terribly for you now um but i think i don't know it is a trappy race and as chris said ben pauling's horses are running really well at the moment though at 60 percent run to form um whereas tom lacy's something like 
25%. I'm not sure what David Pipe is. Let me have a look. Um, yeah, 24%. So it's good it's, it depends what kind of thing you follow, really. Um, and we'll talk about that later, won't we, Paul? What kind of thing that you look for when you're picking horses out. Um, but yeah, so for the 225 at Warwick, we've got Admiral for Paul Callahan, best price available, 7 to 2. And then we have Optimize Prime for Chris Loder, Ben Pauling Horse, currently best price available at 12 to 1. And then Make Me a Believer for David Pipe, chosen by Mark, best price available 6 to 1 currently. So moving on to the 3 o'clock at Warwick, 3 mile 5 furlong McCoy Contractor Civil Engineering Classic Handicap Chase, Grade 3. Soft ground. Um, let's start with Paul. Who are you going for? I'm going to say with Storm Control here. Um, I thought he would have struggled at Cheltenham on his last start. He won his last two, and his, his win two starts ago was in an amateur race. So I did think he would struggle in the company he was in on his last run, but he didn't. Um, you know, he was very, very impressive. His last two victories have seen his handicap mark rise from 131 up to 142. He beat Potter's legend, who was rated 146 by one length. He had Court Maid, who was back in third. Uh, that was on his last run at Cheltenham. Court Maid was back in third. He was rated 153. Highest rated horse here is Bally Optic of 160. And then you got the likes of Walk in the Mill and the World's End, who are both rated 149. Stone Control, he likes to go forward. I'd imagine the first two, three forums is going to be as crucial as the last two or three. Do you know, if he can get out the gate and dictate his own fractions without getting hassled, I think he he has to be competitive off that mark against Storm Control. And I didn't realise the World's End was in this race. I really like that horse, but I've always thought like he needs to stay. Um, but I tipped Storm Control last time he won on the podcast as well. So yeah, I like that one as well, Paul. Uh, Mark, who are you going with? As uh, as Chris Loder famously said, I think I found one here. Um, but I have to find something soon to catch up with Mr. Paul Callahan in the Naps table. But I really thought the World's End was an interesting price here. Um, the Ollie, stable, Ollie Murphy still, I mean, coming back to a bit of form, had a few winners yesterday. Um, World's End's been competing in some some really hot races. Um, He's not been with the Ollie Murphy stable long. I mean, just looking at the forming. I mean, Beating 22 lengths behind Paisley Park last time out in the long work hurdle, seven lengths behind Paisley Park and Fissile Crack in the long distance hurdle. Um, an interesting thing as well, like just maybe I'm thinking it's too much, but I know this horse likes to make the running be handy. So this this could be a great back to lay for Betfair punters. Um, maybe trade and running or an each way alternative. My, my only concern about the world's end, you'll probably be able to fill in the blanks here because you'll probably know the horse better than me, Katie is uh, the step up in distance, the extra five furlongs. Um, I just think back in handicap company from Grady, I just think he's got a massive chance of 149. And 14 at one, um, that's, that's going to be my nap for this week. Um, we've got a claw back those 61 points. I, I think I think we've got, I think we've found one here. It's a bit of a tricky one because he has been over hurdles and now they're taking him back over chase defences and it's a longer distance. So there's a lot of, unknown but he's a smart horse and he can jump um so i mean a change of yard there's a reason that ollie's choosing 
to do this with him. Maybe a change of yard has brought a change of opinion on what the horse should be doing. Um, so that's an interesting selection, Mark. Just I saw that Brady form. And if you look through his form, uh, I can't actually remember the time he was actually back in the handicap company. But one four nine looks workable to me. My only issue would be would be the extra five from it. You say he's a classy sort. I just think he's the stable form. He's definitely worth a shout at fourteen to one. Current yeah, I mean he's carrying a lot more weight than some horses in the field, so it's a tricky one. But he's he's a good solid horse. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see after declarations and stuff as well, like how many are still in the race because how many are in it currently? 20, uh, 22 currently entered, but it's a max of 20 runners. So we're going to lose some without a doubt. Um, yeah, interesting. Chris Loder, thoughts? Yeah, this is a race I would suggest anyone... Um watch uh very carefully um this is normally a race that can produce a horse to go well in the grand national you might remember one for arthur won it the same year he went on to win the national um also as well we had um we had milan's bar win this race with brani and neil king that horse ran a cracker in the national as well and kimberlite candy won this last year who would have definitely been a, a leading player in in the national uh come april if it had gone ahead um so he's still going to be a horse to watch out for can be like candy um the horse two horses i came down on here i thought it was hard to know what's definitely going to be lining up but uh, i thought lebroy was interesting uh off a mark of 140 uh he was beaten in this last year quite away off an eight pound higher mark in a race that was uh very um very um was run at very fast pace by Captain Chaos, who's going to be running again. Uh, definitely reacted well to the headgear that day. Um, that 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 would be a concern if he tried to do it again. Lebroy has had a wind up, which might help him. I think 140 is definitely workable, and I could see him going well in the Grand National. So I think he would definitely be on my shortlist. The other one is uh, a horse of uh, Evan Williams. is called Hold Back the River. That if we remember that song from a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago in the I podcast, Chris Lowder the other week. Uh, I think it was an honour when he was declared to run. Uh, I did have a look at this one off uh, bottom weight. My only concern is he, he might not get in. So, but he, look at it. Actually, looks like he might get off bottom weight here. Yeah, yeah. I think he he, he might have a good chance there. He obviously he's going to have to. He'll be running off bottom weight because he wouldn't quite make the weights of the current um, uh, other. Uh, the current ratings but he he would probably get in i would imagine um but he just i just think he has really strong claims you know he stays very well a very strong stare i think going back this way round will suit him as well um are in good form you say that they've only had one winner from their last 19 runners in the last fortnight which obviously came in the welsh national but they were unlucky they had a couple they had a couple of hard luck stories um esprit de large was going very well and then fell. So I think they are running well, but they just haven't been having the winners. But hold back the river under a nice low racing weight, going this way round. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about him. And if he did uh, get uh, declared, I think he could be worth an each way pump. But if I'd go for a main selection, I think Lebroy. Uh, I think he. I think everybody can see he's got a big race in him, and maybe it's not quite time to give up on him yet. And hopefully, it can be the day. 
<laughs> so the three o'clock at Warwick, just to recap, we have got Mark having a little each way punt on the world's end at 14 to 1. We've got Chris hedging his bets with two selections with LeBroyle currently best price available 10 to 1 and hold back the river at 25 to 1 best price available currently and then we have Paul um, with a shorter price selection Storm Control who is currently best price available at 6 to 1. So moving on to the 3.35 at Warwick, we've got a three mile, one furlong per temps network handicap hurdle. Um, Chris Loder, who are you going for? Yeah, this is um, always, this is one of the qualifiers for the per temps final at Cheltenham. And this is one of those that normally can throw up a horse to go really well. Um, in that race a few of these horses do have multiple entries i should say at market raisin so you might just want to keep your powder dry until the final decks but i do think champagne platinum might end up here for nikki henderson has always been a really promising horse um looked like uh, he was a smart hurdler and then when he went over fences things didn't quite um come his way his actual last start over fences was his best run when he was he was a bit of a gamble that day but that was when um jp's horses were absolutely flying he finished seventh in the in the kim muir but he um was last seen over hurdles uh on his return at newbury i backed him that day and he ran really well and thought he was going to win at one point but he just suggested that, that he needed the run the forms not worked out too badly a more de Nui, uh ran okay in the lanzarote hurdle at kempton so i think the form doesn't look too bad and i think he's better than his mark of 138 we know he can stay jp mcmanus as well likes to always have one up his sleeve in this uh race and this race as well in the end it normally goes to a horse that uh Goes on to bigger and better things. Presenting Percy, um, Delta Work, Cider Burley have all been winners of the Potomps uh, final in recent years. And I think Champagne Platinum has that kind of profile that could be a graded horse running in a handicap. Uh, the big threat would be Come On Teddy for Tom George. Our friend uh, Dave Cross there, represented by Noel Feely Racing Syndicate, uh, favourite for this. But I just think Champagne Platinum is a much better horse than his rating. And uh, I think he'll be close to favour if he is declared. Mark, you have made the same selection. Do you have anything to add to Chris's um, dissertation on Champagne Platinum? I think the question is, has someone been leaking my selections to Chris Loder? Um, <laughs> no, but I, I do like Champagne Platinum. Um, I think he's got a massive chance here. And take uh, Chris's point, uh, I had the same issue as well, I was looking at the 240 market raising as well, so I know he has an entry there um, there's another selection I like that. I just think he's got more more of a chance um, and the 335 uh, attempts network handicap hurdle I mean, off 138, um, I think this horse is definitely one to keep an eye on 10 to 1 currently available if he is declared, he's certainly not going to be that price on the day um, I still think it's a bit, still a bit of a tricky race, not a race I'd go, I'd go mad on um, was last seen in the Kim Muir Challenge Cup Amateur Riders Handicap Chase, going off joint favourite. Um, I mean, the last run at Newbury will have blown away the cobwebs. Um, could be a hand. Could not. Could be a graded horse in a handicap. What do you think, Chris? Because uh, is this your nap? It's not quite my nap, but he's a horse that I'm really keen to back uh, this weekend because I do think he's very well handicapped. Like I said, uh, um, 
I know that the connections uh, uh, really love this horse. I remember um, he went to Newcastle and he won the maiden hurdle there that they always run on fighting fifth day, which Bouvedere won that day. They always like to target a JP Nicky Henderson horse in that race. I remember if you go back through the Roll of Honor for that race, there's been some fantastic horses that have won it over the years. Uh, so he's always a horse that they've held in high regard. I don't think, like we said, fences completely went right for him. Uh, but back over hurdles, it wouldn't be the first time Henderson's had a few horses that you thought were really exciting and were going to really click over fences. But then he's brought a couple back. I'm thinking Bouvedere was one of them, had a couple of goes over fences. Then, obviously, we know what he went on to do, uh, become a dual champion hurdle winner. And then also, as well, on the blind side is a horse that was not quite doing it over fences. And then this season has put in some really gallant performances over hurdles. So I think Champagne Platinum definitely... I think he's... I think I know this is a bold claim here, but I think he could easily have £10 in hand um, off his hurdle rate. And, and I, I think if he goes close in this... Um, who knows? Because this is one of those races where you finish in the first six, you qualify for the festival. So would they want to really... I, I don't think he was given a hard ride last time out. I think Nicky was quite, wasn't a hard enough. Can we get a price of for Cheltenham in any of the races? Champagne Platinum uh, with Bet365 at the current time recording for the Potomps final is 25 to 1. So we need to back him now. Um, and then when he horses up by a possible two lines, which could potentially be 10... He's going to be trading what twelve to one on the top of the market. So you think you've found one here, guys? Yeah, and genuinely, uh, for all listeners, I did not see Chris Lord's selections. He did not see mine. Uh, we've not seen any, obviously. Katie Clements is the only one. Um, and every time she starts laughing um, on Zoom, I know that somebody has backed the same horse, which is funny. <laughs> is I always find it interesting because there's so many different ways to skin a cat. Um, and there's so many different ways to dissect a race and dissect which horses are going to do what. So when you've two of you have come to the same conclusion, I find that really interesting. But we're yet to have a race where all three of you have come to the same conclusion. Um, but what's the chances of that happening? We've got Paul Callahan um, has gone for a different selection. He's gone for Come On Teddy. Paul, tell us about that. Yeah, I'm going to side with Come On Teddy here for Tom George. Um, his yard continues in good form. Horse was a nice winner of a competitive handicap hurdle at Cheltenham back on December the 11th. He was well backed on that occasion. And I'm thinking the £7 rise from the handicapper is fair and well within his range. It'll be interesting to see at the time of recording, there's nobody jocked up at the minute, so it'll be interesting to see whether Tom George agrees with me and thinks the £7 rise is within his range. But I think it is, so... It is come on Teddy for me. <laughs> okay, so the three thirty-five at Warwick, we have got Paul Callahan's selection. Come on Teddy, um, currently best price available at six to one, and Champagne Platinum for Chris and Mark, currently best price available eight to one. And now we're moving on to Market Raisin. So, Market Raisin, again, on Saturday, we have got the 2.05, uh, two mile, half a furlong, makes all the difference, Mansion Bet, Handicap Hurdle, Chris Loader. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. I'm going with the class angle here, I think. Uh, not sure if he'll 
definitely get declared, but uh, you'd like to think he would. Edward Stone, I think, is... Uh, I'm not sure what the ultimate plan is with him. Um, things haven't quite gone to plan as they would have hoped. Um, I know they were keen to send him a novice chase in this year. He unseated, I think, at the first Doncaster. So we really don't know how he would have fared uh, if he'd stood up. He ran fifth in the Great Wood on his return which uh, wasn't a bad performance behind the likes of Ballyandy, Hunter's Cool, that have posted some nice efforts already this season. Uh, he's off a mark of 141, so he will have to run up to that mark, but I think he's capable of doing it. Got some very classy novice hurdle in form from last season, you know, was competing at the highest level. Um, sick from the Supreme, you know, which reads pretty well. Um, I just think he ticks a lot of boxes for this race. A lot of them, in my opinion, just don't have the class he has or aren't coming in the best form uh, if he does get declared the only one i would worry about is master's legacy but apart from that i think uh, edward stone's got this one wrapped up interesting mark can you come up with something to contest that um well we certainly not uh picked the same selection this time um <laughs> Is actually against uh, Chris Lillard's selection. Um, I quite like thinning game. I just think it looks uh, a solid each way selection. Um, loves the soft ground um, of one two five here. And he's got a massive shout. But Steele is coming into a bit of form. I'm pretty sure Brian Hughes is booked already as well. I don't think that this is that competitive and uh, will be ridden handily. So there's a trading angle there again for for people using the bet for exchange. Uh, it's a perfect back to lay, in my opinion. And I think the 10 to 1 currently available looks looks pretty big. Um, could go off bigger on the day on Betfair. Um, I just think I'd actually be against the top one. And that, that could maybe be a lay for me. Sorry, Chris Loder. But I uh, have to be against Edward Stone um, at the prices. Uh, but fitting game for me, uh, winning place with Betfair. I am going to side with you on this one, Mark. Um, mostly from a trainer owner jockey bias um the owner's got some really smart horses with donald mccain um one that me and chris talked about quite a bit recently bareback jack um looks really smart definitely looks like he'll be completely comfortable in graded company um yeah i'm gonna go side with you on this one mark um, Paul Callahan, can you offer us any other angles? Yeah, it's going to be trappy enough this one, but I'm going to side with the Jenny Candlest trained Oscars leader, who Sean Quinlan is already jacked up. Probably needs to find a bit more to win here, but he rarely runs a bad race. He was a good second behind the Ben Pauling and trained the Cobb when last seen. He was only just held on that occasion by the winner. Connections have opted not to claim here, which I think is is. Very interesting. So that for me gives the, the nod to, to Oscar's leader. So to round up the 205 at Market Raisin, we've got Chris Loder with Edward Stone currently best price available 13 to 8. We've got Paul Callahan with Oscar's leader currently at 6 to 1. And Finn and Game for Mark currently at 10 to 1. I'd like to just add, uh, just before we move on to the next race, that. that that Edgerstone, 13 to 8, Chris, that, that's short enough, is it not? That is short enough. When I looked earlier today, he was 9 to 4, so obviously someone's had their money on 
Um, I would argue that that is getting a bit short, but I do think he's the class in the race and and class is permanent <laughs> and form is temporary. Um, hopefully go shorter so we can lay more on the bet for exchange, Chris. <laughs> okay. I I can't wrap my head around betting delay. It upsets me. I don't want anyone to lose. <laughs> so taking part that counts. Yeah, I just want everyone to be happy. <laughs> so the 240 at Market Raisin final race we're covering tonight, uh, two miles, seven furlongs, mansion bet, bet 10, get 20 hurdle. Um, Mark, do you want to lead the way on this one? Yeah, sort of the, the tables have turned here with the with the shorties um, <laughs> and Katie laughing. I quite like little Rockefeller. Uh, it's, and I hope he runs in this race and uh, not the pretense network handicap hurdle. I mean, this horse got a great attitude. Uh, looks quite well in at the weights off 149. Ran well, well last time out in Newbury. Uh, just going down on length. The trip of two miles seven looks ideal. Ground should be no issue either. Um, 15 to eight does look short enough. Um, maybe pinch about 3.2, 3.3 on Betfair on the day. Um, but it certainly looks like like the one to beat. Um, but well found in the market right now at 15.8, little Rockefeller. Nice and short on for you, Mark. Chris Loder, who are you siding with? Yeah, this is where my nap is going to be uh, for this week's podcast. But unfortunately, it's not going to be enough to to, to, to to claw back. But as I say, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, I'm going to go with Mohead here because I just think he's got a lot of untapped potential over three miles. Uh, former uh, County Hurdle winner. It was a great day when Bridget uh, won on him at the Cheltenham Festival a few years ago now. Um, but, you know, he's a very capable horse on his day. And he's off a mark of 141, which I do think is is very workable for him. His last win... Um, at Ascot came off a mark of 145 so he's still four pounds below that he's had two goes over three miles uh, this season where he was only beaten a length and a half by you know what I mean Harry and then a gallant third behind on the blind side and come on Teddy um, and on the blind side ran a great race and defeat to McFabulous I thought um, in the rearranged Raquel hurdle at Kempton on, on Saturday so his form looks solid, uh, a lot to like, I think. Bridget's already booked as well, so that tells you uh, um, he's probably likely to turn up. I didn't think it was a particularly deep race. Obviously, a few favourites in there. I.K. Brunel, uh, he has an entry as well at Warwick, so he's he's not guaranteed to come here. Keep Hill could be a threat, but I think he's a better chaser um, on the blind side in here, but he won't run, in my opinion. Little Rockefeller probably will be the one to beat, but I do think Moed has untapped potential um, over this trip and previous course winner as well. So that's another massive, massive, massive plus, I think. I just think Moed comes here, uh, will uh, get the job done. Chris, see, um, you know, we're talking about horses at entries um, this weekend. On the blind side, it's currently nine to four in the bang right now. So... You can get four to one about my age right now. If on the blind side, chance are he's not going to run. I mean that you could potentially have six to four, seven to four, the top two in here. So you'd want to be getting that four to one right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. On the blind side, I mean, you wouldn't think they would 
running it's not normally Henderson's style is it to to run a horse after a hard race so quickly you know you wouldn't think from running in the grade two you're going to turn up a week later even though he did run well I, I do think the plan will be a handicap with on the blind side my thinking is heading towards maybe a chance in the a, a prominent ride in the coral cup come the festival over two and a half miles with on the blind side a race that henderson's got a good record in won it with william henry a couple of years ago you might remember who's a similar type and he won that off the top weight so they they might get a run in him soon just to get the handicap marked down a little bit um but yeah for me moed i think he's the one that's got the most untapped potential still over three miles and uh, at the weights isn't too badly treated. So for me, Moed is the nap of the weekend. Interesting. I've not, this is the first time I've had a look at this. Um, interesting that they're putting Cape Hill over hurdles and inter- interesting that they're doing so still at three miles because I'm, we're not overly convinced, are we, that he is a three mile horse. I think uh, two and a half miles is his optimum on a speed track. Musselburgh, Kempton, those kind of tracks. Market Raisin, you'd put that down as well. Huntington, those kind of tracks. That's where he would be at his optimum. I'm surprised. Okay, I never went ahead, but they didn't target him at a race like the Peterborough Chase because I think that would have been perfect for him if it had gone ahead at Huntington. But yeah, over, over hurdles, not sure, but. Warren Greater X trained for some, I don't. He's talented, but I'm not sure yeah. what they're thinking with him is at the moment. But maybe we'll be proved wrong. Um, so, Paul Callahan, you are agreeing with Chris Loder for this one, backing Mahayed. The chance is taken here on the Dan Skelton trained Mahayed. Bridget Andrews already jocked up. Who runs off the horse Mahayed runs off a mark of 141. He's a county hurdle winner. That win came back in 2018. He has been running off a mark as high as 153. He had three good runs so far this season without winning, but did manage to get a, a couple of place efforts. So I think connections have found a nice opportunity here for Mahayed to, to get back into the winner's enclosure. So to round up the 240 at Market Raisin, our final race for today. We have got Chris and Paul backing Mahayad, who is currently 4-2-1 in the betting. And then we have Mark backing a very short price, um, currently 6-4, Little Rockefeller. Okay, so that is everything for covering the races for this week's podcast. Do we have any other bets or business, Chris Loder? Yeah, just um the one the main one main one that I just wanted to touch upon uh the mayor's listed uh, bumper uh, in a three fifteen on Saturday market raisin looks really interesting. Willie Mullins has got a few a few interesting horses as well that are unbeaten, and one of those is I don't know how this horse passed uh, the BHA name check, but I leaned over um, for Pam Sly. This horse has been fantastic on her two starts this season uh won both of them by wide margins at huntington 
Ann Weatherby. What's quite interesting is she won the same race that Ocean Wind, who's a, uh, a favourite of mine, uh, she won the same race that he did at Huntington last year and, and uh, uh, Ocean Wind went on to finish sixth in the, in the champion bumper and was a, a Cesar of certainty until Roger Till made the muck up of uh, the entries. Um, but uh, yeah, this horse, flatbred, uh, could be one maybe for a flat campaign later this season, uh, later in the year, if things go to plan. But I think if uh, Willie Mullins doesn't send over send over anything special, Eileen Dover with the four-year-old allowance could uh, progress into Patton Company. Mark, have you got anything you want to mention for the weekend? Anything you're laying or like that on the Betfair Exchange? I uh, obviously quite keen to take on Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, hopefully, the shorter the better in the win. Um, potentially, the play the place market just to see see what price he is on the day. Um, I do think the the nap the world's end um, fourteen to one right now is a huge price. Um, certainly be playing him when and place um, and Lucky Loaders uh, it was a short one that Lucky Loaders put I was at Edward Stone um, I'll actually double my stake because I know Chris Loader fancies that one um, so all aboard I'm going to have a little mention for a horse I've ridden out at Amy Murphy's yard that's running um, on Thursday um, so Bouvelon Bay um, is declared at Fontwell um, on Thursday. He has had two starts over hurdles, um, fell in the first and deposited Aidan Coleman onto the floor um, and then ran very, very greenly in his second start at Plankton um, over two mile four furlong, um, but stayed on really well towards the end. Um, so he's got two miles five furlongs this time out um, with Jack Quinlan on board. Um, he's a mega talented horse that the yard think a lot of, but he is going to be a staying type. Um, so I think I'll have a little punt on him on Thursday. So on the topic of any other bets or business, we've had a few questions sent in from listeners. So we've got a question from Alison Townend which is about jockeys to look out for this year on the flat and over fences. Paul Callahan. Yeah, I think this is, it was a nasty question, this, I think. Um, I think the talent is is exceptional, both sides of the, the IRC. Um, you know, you, you'll always see a, a young lad like Joey Sheridan in Ireland, Gavin Ryan, a young guy to watch out for. He's already a bit of a name made for himself. Dylan Brown McMonagall. Um, he's a good young lad. I think he's ridden plenty of winners on the, the pony racing circus. Um, young Sam Ewing as well also came from the, the pony racing circuit. His father was a he was a pretty pretty decent point to point rider in his time. I'm going to say one name to to look out for who's already she's won a, a couple of uh, difficult rides round on dock last season. Unfortunately didn't maybe pick up but kick on when the tough season came which is quite difficult with the bigger names back and in full flow is a jockey called Siobhan Rutledge who's based with, with John McConnell she's well capable of riding I've seen her rides winners that arguably maybe shouldn't have won tricky rides from tricky draws from wide draws around the dock I've seen her finishing placed on horses that were difficult hard to handle maybe 
Um, very capable rider, Siobhan Rutledge, I think, given the ammunition, she's she's well fit to do the job. On the more senior kind of from apprentice to, to stepping up a level, I think it's interesting that Ben Cohen has been nominated his first jockey to, to Johnny Morta. That was announced earlier on this week. Um, so we wish Ben all the best, and I think it's a, a position that he'd be more than capable of, of carrying out the job. Um, we were talking off air, we have Minnie Win- Winnicott, who's quite quite consistent over jumps, Kevin Brogan, Tom Buckley is a young jockey that I've been watching the last number of seasons. He's more than capable of doing a job. And I think we were all in agreement of Laura Pearson at the minute. Has, she does very little wrong. Yeah, Laura's having a, a great run at the moment. Um, Chris, have you got anyone that you'd like to mention? Yeah, just a couple. Um, the first one of them, uh, Lily Pynchon. I've had a lot of time for her already this season. Um over jumps, uh, ridden for quite a few different uh, good trainers. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before hopefully she uh, lands with herself with a, with a top stable. You know, she's got a good relationship. She's had a good relationship with a horse called uh, Cyclop. Uh, running uh, tomorrow. Yeah, running tomorrow. Uh, trained by Tom Simmons, who's had a fantastic year already. Hopefully, a song for someone goes and uh, does it in the champion. Um, but uh, yeah, Lily Pynchon have been very impressed with her. The other one for the flat, we won't see him probably until March, April kind of time. Is uh, Ray Dawson, who I believe is going to have a crack at the Apprentice Championship. Um, fortunate uh, to know his agent Adam Brook, who's a very uh, up and coming agent in the game. He's got a lot of good riders on his book, and I think he's going to try and move heaven and earth to get Ray Dawson to win that Apprentice uh, Championship. You might remember him riding quite a few prolific Saturday winners last year. You know, um, he was claiming £5, which was just thievery, to be honest with you. Uh, I think Ray Dawson um, is going to be a name to follow on the flat, and I think he'll uh, he'll definitely potentially ride out his claim. So, yeah, a lot to like about uh, those two that I mentioned. I will take the moment to give an honorary mention to Grace McIntyre. Um, her dad trains on the flat um, and she's been riding for him and getting a few outside rides as well. Um, she had a really smart, um, very well-timed um, finish and win on Revolutionary Man on um, January 2nd. Um, and the more I watch her, the more I can see her maturity in the plate developing. Um, and I'm excited to see what this year holds for her. So next question. We have um, a question from Chris Stewart. Um, how many people use the cover bet option on race days? Um, this isn't something I know a great deal about. Um, can you guys enlighten me, Paul? Probably that is not a bet that I'm familiar with. Um, so I would say no to the answer to that. Chris Leder. Uh, I guess he's he's meaning uh, one of those um, bets where you, you you try and win on the nod, and if your horse still makes a frame, you get your stake back. To be honest, I'm just thinking that complicates things. I'm just a the old good old traditionalist. Um, winning each way is is my game. Unlike Mark, who thinks I'm a lane king, but uh, no, just keep keep it simple. Um, that that's all I'm, a, I'm about. I'm a traditionalist at heart. Yeah, I feel like the more things you 
add into the mix, the more things you're actually putting against yourself. Um, so question number three, we have a question from Paul, who is the Wicked Chicken on Twitter. And he would like to know what the most important trait you look for before you choose a horse for a race is. Chris Loder. Um, I'd probably say going. Um, that's a very hard question that Paul sent in. You know, many factors determine my decision when selecting or putting up a horse for people to listen to. Um, I'd say going is definitely the most important. You know, you especially if it's on heavy uh, or soft. You know, you want to know that your horse is going to be able to handle it. Uh, and normally, when it comes to going, having a good knowledge of pedigrees is often a good way you know look at the the sire look at the dam look at um their half siblings you know um that you, you know that they're going to stand a chance if they can handle the conditions and also as well you can use the same methodology on the all weather you know several unfortunately is going to lose its fiber sand i'm a bit gutted about that i like the fiber sand you know because it's just something a bit different other than your poly track into peter but you're going to get certain horses that are better on those individual surfaces as well so it's not just about a turfing something to keep in mind for the weather as well but for me if i had to have one factor i think going has to be a bread and butter uh, rule that you you should use well Callahan, what about yourself i think if i'm in any way indecisive ultimately obviously the yard and form the horse as well would have to be in some level of form Handicap marks as well, I think, can be quite crucial. If a horse is coming down to, we'd say, or is below its its last winning mark, is can also be crucial. But if I'm ever in two minds or slightly indecisive, and um, the clock I find is is quite handy to to follow. Um, I know there's I wouldn't pay mo- too much attention. We'd say if it was a bumper or a maiden hurdle or a novice beginner's chase, for the simple reason is as we know in bumpers especially in England, they generally walk for the first half mile or a mile. And maiden hurdle, beginner's chase, you'd imagine they generally they wouldn't go overly quick over the first three or four fences just to, to let them, you know, novices get into a rhythm and then they'll, they'll gradually pick it up from there. However, that being said, if there was a maiden hurdle with an exceptionally fast time or a, a bumper, you'd, you'd obviously have to sit up and take note. But over the last number of weeks, just completely off the top of my head, Adagio, um, going into last weekend's race posted a, a pretty quick time in comparison to the other horses in the race uh, to draw the other fancy runners I think he was at least 12 to 15 seconds faster than the, the Moor horse over two miles and as I said I, I know you, you factor in the difference you know two miles around Stratford is going to be considerably quicker than two miles around Newbury but if you have a horse that's say 40 seconds below the standard time at Stratford you know you, you kind of gauge it from there um, and also the, the white mouse who won the mayor's race at Cheltenham in, in December, her time, the run before that, was quite was quite fast. And she still had, even putting in an average run, she still would have had roughly um, four to five seconds ahead of the, the next fastest in the field. So that would be something. The only question mark on that run was the ground. But as I mentioned in, in a piece beforehand, she had won on soft, good soft ground at Lingfield, which would be quite soft in comparisons to, to that or other tracks in, in the UK or Ireland. So if I'm ever indecisive, I would look at the times of the, the previous runs. So it's interesting when you look at 
going in different courses and things like that because if you're if you're punting on the flat in the US that kind of thing is so much more uniform than we have over here yeah like you never just just at the minute like with the frost coverings and that if you see soft and you know the track has been covered with with the, the covers and what have you the, that soft ground generally tends to be like a blue pot horrible as opposed to genuine soft ground then you have soft ground at Ludlow, which wouldn't be as soft as soft at Newbury. And Musselburgh as well as, you know, Musselburgh would rarely get soft. And if it did, it wouldn't be that soft in comparison to, to other tracks. So you, you would have to factor that in as well. Just off the top of my head at the moment, just thinking out loud with, with the frost coverings, for example, that can be quite not very nice if you're on one that doesn't handle it. I, I rode a horse, a soft ground horse, on soft ground that had been covered with the fleece covers. And it was absolutely horrendous. The horse hated it, and it wasn't. It was it was soft, but it was like a glue pot. There was no moisture in the ground because obviously the the air had been the, co- the police covers had been on, and they'd done their job. But the ground was quite quite tacky and, and just gluey underneath. This probably leads us in quite a nice segue to the question I asked earlier um, with the talk about. Um, certain people wanting horses weights published are there any stats or information that as race fans and punters you'd like available um and i guess it kind of leads from that question because is there more information that we could be publishing about the ground i think myself i think i think what was the piece that I'd seen with, with Mick Fitzgerald on, on Sky Sports Racing recently, um, I know Fitzy, I think, had referred it to, for people who are new, I suppose more mathematical form students, but people who are coming into racing. I think, and I don't mean to, kind of have to be careful here, I don't want to sound ignorant or, or whatever to to anyone who's coming into the sport, but if you had a horse's weight published in the, in the, in the race card or the racing post, if you were new to racing, I don't think it would really make a blind bit of difference to, to your selection. Um, a math student, I, I don't think it would. Like, I mean, if you had a horse starting off who's, you know, it's it's winning weight, it, the horse was running off as winning weight in December and then the same in March and it won in December and got beat in March, I don't think it would, it would add up. Like, I've ridden for trainers who would weigh them once a week weigh horses once a week. I, I've ridden for trainers that have will weigh them not very often, maybe twice a season, if that, and they've still had the same success rates. And I, I don't think that would be... It, it would suit some people, I th- I'm sure, but I don't think it would... It certainly wouldn't attract... I don't I don't think it would be the definition of, of attracting new fans to the sport. Um, I think you could overcomplicate things. I think when you're looking up form... Generally, if you're looking up form, if the runners are going to the start, you want a brief summary of the facts, of recent facts of that horse. And for me, I think if you can summarise quickly a horse's near enough its last winning mark or at its last handicap winning mark, or indeed it's running £20 below its last mark, I think something like that would be a little bit more attractive to me. Or if you had a horse that was... If you had a horse... We've mentioned it in the last couple of previews. If you had a horse that maybe finished second or third or within five lengths of a horse that was rated 
160. But the highest rated horse in running in the current in this race coming up is rated 150. Well, then the horse that finished third that's, that's running again should should be there or thereabouts. I think something like that would be a little bit more informative than than I think horses' weights. I just I don't know. I just, it would work for some people, but but not others. I mentioned it off air earlier. I know it's it's. I don't think it would work here at the moment. How the training centres are, are set up, but I quite like watching the the American horses working, and of course all that is done to the clock. Um. I've seen a little bit in Australia as well, but I do like watching, especially coming up to the Breeders' Cup, or you know, even in general, some of the big meetings, I do like watching the, the American horses working, and definitely with the Breeders' Cup with the European horses as well. It's, I think it's nice to get a get a look at them, and you know, I know the Newbury's Day, but into the Hennessy meeting, took a bit of criticism for the the, the gallops morning, but you know, you certainly wouldn't be rushing out the back vindication of on what you've seen on what we saw that, that day at, at Newbury. So, you know, I, I think something like that w- is beneficial, but not, you know, it's not going to work the way things are set up at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just there's too many variables and watching a horse having a seven furlong gallop isn't the same as a three mile chase. You can't, you can't no. compare the two. Um, my kind of thing with the weights, that I would find interesting as a fan would be when you do have races where there's a big difference between top and bottom weight being carried and whether you could go, well, yeah, that horse is carrying a lot less weight, but it is a little lighter horse as well. So relatively, the weight's kind of similar. Or if you've got one that is a really lightweight horse carrying over 11 stone compared to a bigger, stronger horse carrying less. I think it's interesting then, but weights fluctuate, weight fluctuates just from traveling um, to and from these race meetings. So how accurate you can make things is also tricky. Um, the thing I would say, oh, hang on, someone's a bit echoey. Oh, yeah, the thing I, I would say, um, is that to be fair, I think we've got a lot of information anyway, and it's really hard to see what they, they could further add. Um, I think the most, if I had to rely on one thing, um, the information that we have out there, that I think it's absolute gold dust is race replays. I honestly think if we were living in an age 40, 50 years ago, what would it be like trying to find winners? Would it have been word of mouth? Would we've been at the would we've had to physically been at the track, you know, and we wouldn't have maybe necessarily got the best angles on on things. It's great that um the at the races website, racing TV, or if you're a racing post member and you get the race replays, you can go back and watch things time and time again. Um and it's great to have lots of other bits and bobs, you know, but if you can watch a library of how horses performed during their career, I just think that's so valuable. Um, and I think you can judge um, your own opinions from just watching how the horse has been faring in their runs, you know, and, and then obviously you've got the extra bits, the other basic things that go with it. But I, I honestly think there's so much information out there, you know, that do we need any more? Um, wind ops was, was a big thing, was probably the 
is the last big thing we've seen in the last couple of years um, become more noticeable. Uh, and there's been some, it's been some good information. I, I think the wind up was a good idea because um, it, it sometimes horses may might have been underperforming, but maybe the trainers and the connections knew about it, but the the punters wouldn't know. You know, sometimes you might get a a favourite in the betting for a big race and it looks on paper all the maths add ups and adds up and then really ran disappointingly but the stewards never pulled them in and we never found out and then if they did run badly and they've had a wind up you could put it down to to the wind you know and it's been well documented as well that the time to catch horses is on their second time we don't know why for some reason horses seem to i don't know if pulls a big believer in that the second time wind up angle but uh that is something that that apparently the science does back up but i've seen horses win um when on their first start after having a wind operation you know so it is a bit tricky um i think with the wind ups but i think that has helped but i don't think there's much more that could could really be added that isn't out there already for for the public to to access I think the wind up thing just it the second run thing makes sense. It's like the horses had a break, although with a wind up it's normally only a short few weeks break. Um it's had a break, it's had some work done. First time out is probably not gonna be as fit as it would be after a run. Paul? Yeah, no, I think the majority of what you said is, is pretty much hit, hits the nail on the head. Um, you know, jockeys minimum riding weights. I think at the moment the fact that jockeys aren't that there's no saunas in use and and riders minimum weights. I think that should be maybe maybe published more to the fore. I know it's in the racing post and it is published. The minimum riding weights, jockeys, trainers, you know, strike rate together the percentage that's already published. You know, I think there's there is a fine line. I know if you if you say oh well that's grand and you know it's not broke don't fix it, but everything changes in time. You can't be, you can't just bury your head in the sands with that. But I think there's a fine line as well between trying to overcomplicate the the situation and and I just I don't think horses' weights is is would be the way forward for me. Um, I think racing the replays is it's it's I think that is crucial. You know, if you see a horse finishing fifth or sixth over two miles at a sharp track, absolutely flying, and then it's running around Newbury over two and a half miles, but you know. On the bare form, the horses finished seventh, well beaten. But yet, if you watch the replay, the horses absolutely flown the last half mile, or just you know kept staying on the one pace. And visually, the, the extra, you know, four furlongs will suit plus the the galloping track. I think things like that, you know, which are available via Sky Sports Racing and, and Racing TV. So I I do I think over here or in Europe in general, I think we do cover ourselves pretty pretty well. And that's it for this week's in the saddle podcast. I'd like to thank our wonderful host Katie and fellow judges Paul and Mark for all their valuable knowledge. Hopefully they can extend their lead in the NAPS table. Also like to thank the listeners for their questions and their support. We are growing every week and we would really appreciate it if you don't do so already to follow us on Spotify and iTunes, rate and review where possible, appreciate all the feedback you give us. You can also follow us on Twitter where our handle is at in the saddle pod and everyone's Twitter handles will be in the bio on iTunes and Spotify. So please gamble responsibly. Hopefully we can have some more winners and we'll be back again soon.